after the service this morning, making their way over to Pensacola for camp this week. And so we'll pray for safety as they travel and uh, look forward to what God uh, does in their hearts and lives as they uh, as they have a great week at camp. And pray for those that just promoted up, the junior hires or first timers, just pray that they survive. And so, and uh, they, but the junior high kids, I mean, I've been a youth pastor before I was a pastor, and so I know what I'm talking about. And uh, there's just something about junior high kids that, that's special, and not in a good way. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, you, you just hope that you get them from junior high to high school without killing them. Uh, and so, if you're a youth pastor, that's kind of your life. And so, no, they'll, they'll all have a great time, and, uh, and we're excited for them this week. As we look at our text this morning, uh, this psalm, as we, as we dig into it a little bit here, um, is obviously it's a psalm of David. It is also obviously the psalm that God gave David as he fled Jerusalem from his son, Absalom. Uh, it is a time in his life that is probably, I would, uh, you know, when we get to heaven, we'll know, but I, I would imagine that this is among the darkest days of David's life. And David is a man who has known uh, great victory in his life. He's a man that's known what it's like to be rejected, uh, to, to honor God when it was hard. He knows what it's like to put his trust and his confidence in the Lord even when his life was threatened. As a young man, he was not impressive in his size. As a young man, he was not impressive in his appearance, but he just was faithful. He tended his father's flocks and he walked with God. Now as a shepherd boy, he learned how to walk with, commune, walk with the Lord and commune with him. And even whenever the giant Goliath defied the armies of Israel and Saul, the disgraced king, could not lead the people and did not do the right thing, David went out and alone stood and faced uh, what no one in their right mind would have ever surmised could have possibly turned out in victory. But as he stood there, just a teenage boy with a sling and five smooth stones against a giant that stood literally 10 feet tall and flung that stone and God guided that stone as God guided, as God guided David's life. He then went into the house of Saul and as a young man lived honorably, more honorably than the king, more honorably than the king's men. And David had been proclaimed to be the new king by the prophet Samuel and as he fled into the countryside, as Saul sought to take his life, wanting to eliminate uh, God's plan so that he could have his own uh, family remain on the throne, uh, God intervened. But in all of this, David behaved himself wisely. As David entered into his reign, he did so as a godly king, as a man that the Bible tells us sought after God's own heart, but he was not a man without sin. He was not a man without fault and failure. And David uh, would commit what was a horrible sin <coughs> in adultery and taking Bathsheba. And then he compounded that sin by lying uh, and by deceiving her husband and ultimately by taking his life, causing his soldiers on the line to abandon one of their brothers so that he would be eliminated as a problem. When David was confronted, he repented. Psalm 51 is a wonderful passage of God's forgiveness and grace and repentance and how we should respond and how God 
right, restores. But David also had to pay for that sin and and in the sense that he just simply reaped what he sowed. And sometimes we think that if we get forgiven for sin, that that means that there is no consequence with it. But even in forgiveness for our sin, we still have to uh, we still have to reap the harvest of the seed that we've sown. Uh, and David experienced that. Part of that was the loss of the baby that was born. Uh, he had to pay fourfold as he proclaimed. Uh, and uh, Amnon would then rape a sister, Absalom's full sister, Absalom, because David would not do the honorable and the right thing as king. And dealing with Amnon, Absalom, after a period of time, murdered his brother. Again, David failed to respond correctly. Absalom was banished from the kingdom. And even when Absalom was brought back, he was not brought fully back. He was allowed to return home to his house and to the city, but not to come into the presence of his father, the king. And Absalom, as he he dealt with these things, began to work against his father and began to deal with him uh, in a way that was deceptive. David speaks here in this psalm about uh, about your the words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. He's speaking here of his son. When he speaks of this betrayal, his betrayal is that from Ahithophel, his trusted counselor of many years. And Absalom, his son. In 2 Samuel chapter 15, we see the story of this rebellion. And I'm going to give you the references, but we'll not take the time to go there just for time's sake this morning. But Absalom's rebellion begins, and his heart is against the king. In Ahithophel, David's counselor betrays him and gives us a picture of Judas, a picture of what Jesus would face in betrayal. And that's in 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 12, we see him being betrayed by his trusted counselor. In chapter 15 of 2 Samuel in the 14th verse, then David flees Jerusalem. He does not want the destruction. He flees before Absalom's invasion actually comes in. He says, listen, if we stay here, war is in his heart. The people, <coughs> the people of the city are going are gonna to suffer and be destroyed. And he did not want to put them through that. And so David and gathered what he could, and they fled the city. He started out with the ark, and then after a time, he stopped, and he just said, let's just send the ark back. And we see that in chapter 15 and verses 25 and 26. And essentially what David's message is, is he says, no, we're not going to bring the ark. We're going to send the ark back to the temple where it belongs. And I am essentially placing myself in God's hands, whatever God wills he says is what is going to happen and David accepts the outcome of what God is willing to allow in this revolt against his authority as the king in chapter 15 of 2nd Samuel verse 32 David in his grief and uncertain of his future stops and worships God you know it's an incredible thing that oftentimes in the Bible especially throughout the Old Testament when you see these men who walked with God, who are a tremendous testimony of what God 
uh, what God's grace can do and how God intervenes in our lives, what you see is before God's intervention in the midst of great animosity or problem uh, and great danger, what they stopped to do was not lament and not to get angry and not to cast blame, uh, but to just simply worship. I don't worship. It's never wrong. There's never a bad time to stop and worship the Lord. But when oftentimes today we get all overwhelmed with things going on in our life and we get angry, we get upset, we get bitter, we look for uh, a way to figure out whose fault this is and what's going on. Uh, but what we ought to do whenever, adver- whenever problems arise is just stop and worship. What we see then in 2 Samuel chapter 19 is David finally is restored, but not without great sacrifice. David writes here about how his enemies would be destroyed. In verse 15 of uh, of Psalm 55, let death seize upon them and let them go down quick into hell for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. He's speaking of his son. And I can't imagine a more difficult thing. And David tried to to admonish his leaders and his military not to take the life of Absalom, but Joab against the king's orders uh, when when Absalom could have been taken into custody alive, uh, smote him instead. And he died. So here's David, a man who has borne the grief and the scars of his sin, a man who has known great victory and triumph, a man who has had the people of Israel sing his praises in the streets, a man who has walked with God as perhaps few ever will, a man that God himself has said is a man after mine own heart. And as we look at David now, an older man, aging, bearing the weight of his life's decisions, bearing the brunt of his sin, the sin of his youth. And he comes and has to bear all of this, fleeing in disgrace, humbled before God and his people. And David now turns to God. Is he restored? Yes. Can he go home? Yes. But he goes home with the death of the third son. He goes home knowing that everything in his life again is forever changed. How do you deal with such loss? How can you cope with such betrayal? How can you stand and again be used by God when the price has been so high and the burden's been so heavy? And David comes to the end of the psalm in verse 22 and he says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. It's interesting that he uses such strong language here. He shall. There's not any doubt here. There's not any wondering here. There's not any questioning here. There's not any lack of confidence that God might sustain me. He's not coming and saying uh, that if I do this, then maybe God. And David knows what it's like to experience that emotion. I remind you when uh, when he first sinned with Bathsheba and that baby was born and God had told him that that child was going to die, uh, that David did not uh, did not 
uh, did not wash, he did not eat. He just went and prayed and lamented to the point that his men, when the baby died, didn't even want to come and tell him. And he heard them and perceived and got up and he, he washed and he ate and they were perplexed. And they said, we thought for sure that you would despair into death if, if we told you that the child had died. And he said, no, he said, I, the, the child will not come to me. I'm going to go to him. He said, but I couldn't be sure that God wouldn't show me mercy and rescind what he had said. So David knew that it was possible. But here David is not saying God might. God is saying, David is saying God shall. And the burden's heavy, my friend, when, the, uh, when life is hard, uh, when tragedy strikes, when uncertainty arises, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. My faith, my confidence is in the Lord. We see, first of all, this morning that we must cast our burden upon the Lord. Casting our burden upon the Lord. What does that mean? Well, it means that we've got to be committed to him. It means we have to commit our heart to what God has for us. And if you would, hold your place there and turn back a few pages to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, <clears throat> we love this, we love the verse number four here because uh, it, it, it delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. But there's more to it than just that. We need to uh, look here in Psalm 37 and verse one, David again is writing here, says, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Notice verse number five. Commit thy way unto him, unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee how do i do that how do i take my burdens and how do i put them on god and i would say this morning that it requires a commitment we must be committed uh, david knew what it was like to go through the difficulties of life and to go through them not without not in perfection but always coming back to god even when he made mistakes bad decisions and sin and and found restoration and found god's guidance he found that because he was committed to his god he was committed to what God had promised him. He was committed to what he had promised God. He was committed uh, to, uh, to the, the life that he had experienced with the Lord and knew that his God would not forsake him. And he was not about to forsake his God. Was time hard? Yes. Was life unfair? Yes. Was there questions that he couldn't answer? Absolutely. Was his heart broken? Uh, there's no way that it couldn't have been. He's been disgraced, shamed by the one perhaps that he loves more than almost anyone else. One that he had been learning to give trust back to in his son Absalom. I would say this morning, if I would cast my burden on the Lord, I must be committed to him. And what does that mean? Well, when we talk about this passage in Psalm 37, 
We talk about delight and delight thyself in the Lord. Delight is uh, a word that means a high degree of pleasure or satisfaction of mind. It's like joy, but delight is more permanent than joy. And delight uh, is, uh, it's not dependent upon sudden excitement uh, to uh, elicit it. It is just something that is more sustained. He who delights himself in the Lord can never desire anything inconsistent with the will of God, said Charles Finney. If I am delighting myself in the Lord, then I will not be capable of having a desire that is inconsistent with the, with the will of God for my life. And that's the text here, the context. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. He who delights himself uh, in the Lord <coughs> can never desire anything inconsistent with the will of God. Then verse number three, he says, uh, it talks about that which is good. Trust in the Lord and do good. That means that which adds virtue to my walk with God. That which would add virtue for, uh, for my work for God. That which would add virtue to my witness for God. In James chapter four and verse 17, he said this, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. And so when we talk about understanding committing uh, we are, first of all, making a commitment. God, I commit myself to you. God, I am in line with you. God, I seek you. I want to be in your presence. I want to uh, walk with you, commune with you. Then secondly, I would say that it means that we have to trust him. We have to put our trust in him. Uh, if I trust in myself, uh, I'm going to be disappointed. If I trust in myself, I'm going to make bad decisions. If I trust in myself, uh, I may think that I have all of the information necessary to make a good decision only to find out afterwards that there was more, more information that I did not have. God has all the information. <coughs> There's not anything that's hid from him. And so when we consider this this morning, uh, we need to be committed. We need to put our trust in him. Why? Because then he will bring it to pass. God will bring it to pass. What? His will. His will for your life. His will in my life. David said it in 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 26 when, it said, when he said, Let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. I mean, there's David, he's on the run from Absalom, he's outside the city, he's already disgraced and shamed, and people are mocking him as he walks down the street, uh, and he, <coughs> he knows that great, uh, great turmoil, is even worse, is coming, and he finally gets to the point where he says, just send the ark back, let it be where it's supposed to be, and let God do what seems good to me. Whatever God chooses, whatever God uh, permits, uh, let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. And listen, there is no better place for a Christian to be than to come to a point and a place in your life, no matter what you face, no matter what your circumstances, no matter how bad your burden, no matter how bad your financial dilemma, no matter how rough your health, no matter what is facing us or what lies before us, there's no better place to be than to come to a place where we just look to God and worship and say, let him do what seems good unto me. And when God has our heart in such a way, when our commitment to God is such a, in such a way, when our trust to the Lord is in such a way, then we can take our burdens and just say, God, I cannot bear this. It's yours. I trust you. I trust you with my health. I trust you with my heartache. I trust you with my financial burdens. I trust you with my sin. 
I trust you with forgiveness. I trust you with taking away my bitterness. I trust you with correcting my anger. I trust you, Lord, if I am committed to you and I am walking with you and I am delighting in you, then I can trust you to do a great work in my heart. I can trust you to transform and change my life. I can take everything that I bear and I can just put it on God and I can say, God, I am yours. Therefore, all of my burdens belong to you and I trust you. And David trusted the Lord. Paul wrote about it in Romans 8, 28, when he said, And we know that all things work together for them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. It doesn't say that all things are good. It all says all things work for good. Sometimes it takes bad things to work good results. Sometimes it takes pain to bring healing. Sometimes it takes suffering to come to a place where we're willing to repent and turn from our sin. Sometimes it takes being shamed and disgraced and humbled before we're willing to own the responsibility of the decisions that we've made and give those burdens and our sin to God that we might seek his forgiveness and his restoration and his healing hand. See, we can only see the pain of today, but God sees the joy of eternity. No matter what we face, no matter what we bear, God is there. Psalm 30 and verse 5 says, For his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor, uh, in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And God is there wanting to carry us, wanting to lift us, wanting to, uh, to take care of us in all of our problems. Listen, peace comes at the promise of the deliverance according to your level of trust in God. If I trust him, then I can give my heart to him and I can let the burden go. If I say, Pastor, I've tried. I've come and I've tried to lay those burdens down. I've tried uh, to put it there. <coughs> I've tried to say, God, uh, it's all yours. But it just seems like every time I get up and uh, and walk out that it, I pick it back up with me. It just takes it. and I can't shake it. What's the problem? The problem is just simply a problem of trust. If I trust him, I can give it to him. If I had a tremendous financial burden today, if I had a a great worry that uh, that someone uh, that that was going to come and take uh, my home and uh, and was going to say, you know what, uh, you haven't uh, been able to pay your debt, you haven't been able to pay your mortgage, you haven't been able to pay your uh, your Harvey mortgage, you haven't been able to pay all of those things, and uh, and it's been a while, and so uh, you're going to lose your home. And man, the great the great weight of oppression that that would be, the great burden that that would be, that that you wouldn't be able to. Uh, wouldn't be able to sleep and you wouldn't be able to, uh, to, to go through your day at work and not think constantly about what you were about to sacrifice and lose. And then say uh, a benefactor comes in and steps in and says, you know, <coughs> I, can, I can take care of that debt for you. I can pay, and I'm willing to pay that debt for you. Well, sir, what must I do for you? What must I uh, give you? Nothing. I just want to be a blessing. If I trust that man, if I believe that he has the power to pay it and I trust that he has the will and the desire to pay it, then I can go to bed tonight and rest and be relieved, even though the debt maybe has not yet been paid. Why? Because I, because I trust him. If it's someone that I know uh, that's got it. So if someone else comes in and says, Oh, man, Pastor, don't worry about it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of that for you. For example, if, uh, 
uh, you know, if, if, if Brother Austin come in and said, Pastor, uh, I'm going to pay that debt. I could go to sleep tonight. I wouldn't have to worry. Austin's got all the money. Uh, and so uh, he'd be able to take care of that. I believe Austin loves me and he'd want to help me in that way. And I could just rest easy. On the other hand, uh, if, uh, uh, if, uh, let's see who I want to pick on here. Uh, if brother Josh came in and said, uh, Hey pastor, I'm going to pay your debt. I might believe that he wants to. Uh, but, uh, but I, I mean, I, I know that he can't, he's broker than I am. I, I'm not going to sleep any better tonight. And see, it's all just a matter of trust. It's a matter of, do I know that the person who has made the promise has the power to deliver. See, our problem in casting our burden on the Lord and leaving it at the cross is that uh, do we really believe that God has the power to care for me? Do I really believe that God loves me enough to care for me? Do I really believe, do I trust that God is interested in what burdens I bear, what burdens I carry. But Jesus said uh, that take my yoke upon you, that my burden is light and my yoke is easy. And listen, life is hard and life, uh, is, the, the burdens are heavy uh, and our hearts at times are broken and life sometimes is cruel and unfair. And we have to face all of these things in life, but we do not have to face them alone. We have a God that loves us. We have a Savior who gave himself for us. And he says to us, if you will cast your burdens upon me, I will sustain you. If you cast your heartache upon me, I will sustain you. If you, if you cast these things, do I trust him? Do I have confidence in him? Do I believe him? He shall sustain thee. Number two this morning, we see that he will sustain us. Sustain means to primarily two things. It means to support and supply. <clears throat> now, I am not saying this morning <clears throat> that I can just go and do anything however I want and just say, okay, God, I trust you. And, uh, and uh, you know, this bill that I've run up, you're going to take care of it. That's not what we're talking about here. And go back to Psalm 37. Commit thy way. See, if I'm committed to him, I will not desire from him that which is not in his will to give me. But when I'm committed to the Lord as he is committed to me and I'm walking with him as he wants to walk with me, as I go through my life uh, and understand that as I seek his will and I'm trying to pursue that will, that if his will takes me into the valley of the shadow of death, that if his will brings hardship into my life, that if his will brings trials and, uh, and tribulation, uh, that I can bear that burden, I can carry that cross because I don't have to carry it alone, I carry it with him. He shall sustain thee to support and supply. He will carry us in the arms of his power. He's the one that bears the burden. He's the one that does the heavy lifting. He's uh, the one <coughs> that makes all the difference in life. Psalm 37 and verse 24, he says, though he, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I'm glad this morning that when I fall, 
It's the Lord Jesus that picks me up. I'm glad this morning that when I fall, that he's the one that's right there waiting to help me. I'm glad this morning that it's his strength that uplifts me. I don't have to do it in my own power. I don't have to do it in my own strength. I don't have to bear my own burden. Now listen, this morning when we come and we know the Lord, realize uh, that though he fall, though I fall, I will not be utterly cast down for the Lord will uphold me with his hand. There's no better place to be than in the hand of God. There's no better place to be in the center of his will. There's no better place to be than humbled and surrendered to what God's purpose is for your life. Thirdly and lastly this morning, consider that when we commit our burden to the Lord, when we cast our burden on the Lord, that he shall sustain us. He will support us. He will supply, bring provision. He will meet the needs, sometimes in miraculous ways. Thirdly, he says, he shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. In essence, what he's saying here is, I will never permit the righteous to be shaken. It doesn't mean that I may not be shaken. It means that my faith will not be shaken in the midst of it. That my trust and my confidence in God will not be shaken in the midst of it. Now, I read the words that David wrote here and I marvel at them because how could... How could he experience what he's just experienced and say that I've not been shaken? And what could shake you more? Your closest counselor, your own son, and then your general that you've trusted for all of your reign against your orders murders your son. We can't imagine the heartache that David experienced here, the shame, the loss that David experienced here. But he said, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved, to be shaken. David's faith is in God. His strength, his source of strength is in God. His trust is in God. And I would say this morning that it goes back to that time of worship. It goes back to that moment in his life when he came to terms with what God had brought in his life. See, he fled, but he had to come to terms with it. He fled in shame, but he had to accept that this was what God was allowing. And when we get to that point <coughs> where he uh, where he came and he said that this is what uh, God has allowed me, let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. When he came to that moment in life, when he came to that moment in this crisis, then he came to a moment when he said, I cannot be shaken. My trust is in God. I, this isn't about me. This is about God. This isn't about uh, this isn't about uh, about what I, my wants or what, what I think is best. This isn't about what I can see and perceive. This is about what God needs to accomplish in light of eternity. And I am a, his child and I am a vessel in his hand and I am humbled and submitted to my God to work in my life uh, as he wishes to work. Trusting that he will give me the strength to endure. Trusting that he will sustain me through it all. He shall never permit or suffer the righteous to be shaken or moved. Two thoughts about this. First, God allows us sometimes to be tested. A faith that cannot be tested and survive is not a faith at all. And God begin, allows us to be tested but not beyond our ability to 
to face that obstacle with as we walk with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Whether that temptation is a temptation to give in to a desire for sin, whether that temptation is a temptation to give in to uh, to not trusting God, to trusting on self, which is a sin, just not in the same t- way that we would think of it. When we come to that term and we realize, hey, uh, God has said uh, that, that, that God tests faith. Amen. A faith that's not tested can't grow. A faith that's not tested, it's, it's a proving time. It's a time uh, when, when we, uh, for our sakes, come to realize how powerful and how strong and how faithful God is. When we're tested and God proves himself, our trust in him grows, our faith in him grows, our strength in him grows. If I'm going to be the kind of Christian that says, God, I'll love you as long as you don't allow me to be tested, then I'm not going to be much of a Christian. I need to come to realize this morning that my trust is in him. He will, he will allow me to be tested, but I can trust that it will never be beyond my ability through him to endure. It'll be my, it will be beyond my ability to stand against it on my own. It'll be beyond my ability to stand against it in my flesh. But it will never be beyond my ability to stand against it if I'm walking with him. If my trust is in him. If, my, if he's my guiding light, I would say also that if we are truly walking with God, if we're truly walking with God, we will not be moved from our foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter how great the storm. You see, all throughout life and history, Christians who have weathered tremendous storms, who have gone through tremendous persecution. I watched a video just a couple, about a month ago of a girl in an Asian country who was beaten by a mob. It was cell phone video. Simply because she was a Christian. She was beaten by a mob. She was lit on fire, knocked to the ground, and somebody came by and poured gas on her until she laid there and burned to death. The whole thing was just all video. Simply because she believed in Christ. There are videos of ISIS beheading by the dozens Christians. That's now. I mean, it's one thing for me to stand up and tell you about Roman candles and Christians in the Colosseum and those that were burned at the stake. But we're not talking about the Dark Ages. We're not talking about the early church. I'm telling you, those things are happening today. People are being brutalized simply because they believe in Jesus Christ, and they're not renouncing their faith. And praise be to God for it. People do not give themselves and die for things like that that are not real, for relationships that are not real. And what I'm saying simply this morning is, Do I trust him? Do I trust him? Pastor, how could a God that loves us allow such brutality? Because God's not looking through the lens of here and now. God's looking through the lens of eternity. 
And God gives grace. God gives strength. The question is, in those times of heartache, in those times of tragedy, in those times of suffering, do I trust Him? Cast thy burden on the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. Well, Pastor, how in the world is giving my life for the cause being sustained? Oh, that sustaining grace that carries you through to the other side. It's the will of God for my life. It's, it's what we're talking about is not that God resolves all of my problems. What we're talking about is that God resolves in my soul and in my spirit that I can accept what he has ordained for my life. And I'll be willing to pay that price and bear that burden without my faith being shaken, without my trust being shaken because I've committed to him. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. I don't know about you, but I want to go to my grave unshaken in my faith. I want to go to my grave, no matter what God brings in my life, singing his praise, worshiping my God, serving him with all of my, my might and power, walking with him, with confidence that what God has ordained, whether it be difficult or whether it be easier in nature, was his will, and I was committed to him. But I could never be as committed to him as he is to me. He loves me. He'll use my life for his glory if I'm committed to him. Will I cast my burden on him this morning? Will I give it to him this morning? So, Pastor, I want to do that. Well, there's only two things required. Your commitment and your trust. You can only cast at this altar what you trust him to carry. If you don't trust him, it'll just get back up with you. But I'm telling you this morning that we serve a God that can bear all our burdens, that can handle everything that he's brought into our lives that can sustain us, that can use us, and can bring glory to himself, and can give us joy along the way, even in the midst of difficulty. Heavenly Fathers, we close this morning. Lord, thank you for working in our hearts and speaking to us.